if you've got a Bible, then uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. We're breaking from Acts this week, um, slightly, because I'm going to look at adoption. Um, if you haven't got a Bible, we've actually got some with us this week at the back on this table. So if you fancy a Bible and you haven't got one, um, then there's some spare ones there so you can kind of read along. I'm just going to read a few verses from the book of Romans um, in a few minutes, actually. But with it being uh, Adoption Sunday and raising awareness um, of the need in the UK for adoption and fostering, I thought it would make sense, really, to just look at the doctrine or teaching that we find in the Bible of adoption. So it might be something that you've not looked at before, but how God takes people that are far off and brings them into his family. We get adopted and get to be called sons and daughters of God. So if we appreciate, I think, ourselves, what God's done for us, it makes us kind of, I think, more compassionate and more gracious and makes us think, okay, maybe we can give some kids and help some other kids out as well. Just as God's helped us, we can show the love of God to other people. And I think one word that springs to mind for me when I think of uh, adoption or this teaching of adoption you find in the Bible is the word belonging, that you belong to something, you're a part of it. If you're a part of a family unit, you belong at home with them, don't you? We hope that if you're here at Redeemer King, you feel like you belong, that you're part of the family. And if you do, that's great. And we want you to tell us that you do because we want to know that you're part of the family and going forward with us. But when you're belonging to something, you're in a place where you're free. And I think you're in a place where you're able to kind of grow and flourish. That's what belonging is when you're brought up as a small child. Parents, all you want for your children is them to flourish, to grow and to be the best that they can be. And that only happens if they belong. We're created in the image of God and we're designed, not that we're, that doesn't mean that we look like him, but it just means that we're designed to relate to one another, to belong to something, to be a part of something. And that's why we're a part of a church because community is so important. Not only communion with God, but communion with each other. Because I think when we belong somewhere, it's obvious. Just as when we don't belong somewhere, it's obvious too, isn't it? You know, like every party I ever go to, you know, where they've got a disco. I just like sitting in the corner quietly because I don't belong on the dance floor. That's not my place. That's for other people who have got moves. I belong just being grumpy in the corner because I hate dancing. Or as a Liverpool fan, if I was going to Old Trafford, I wouldn't belong in the home end. I'd probably get killed. I'd certainly get beaten up. Um, you don't belong. It's not the place that you would be. Before we moved to Chesterfield, we lived in a place called Bath, as I call it, or Bath, with an R, as they call it down south, because they're posh. There's some southerners here, so I'm going to be slightly careful. They're eyeballing me already. Um, but I worked in a, a senior school, a, a posh boarding school called Moncton Coombe Senior School. Um, and... You know, how do you think I would fit in in a, in a posh boarding school? Pretty, not very well. <laughs> I stuck out a little bit like a sore thumb. I didn't, you know, I'm not really a kind of suave tie suit kind of guy. I'm more kind of pajama bottoms and a hoodie. That's how I feel comfortable. Um, you know, I dress up a little smarter for a Sunday. You'll be pleased to know. But after working at the school for about six months, I remember I got taken into um, one of the leadership team's office. I wasn't in trouble because I was a, a model employee, and I uh, just had this casual conversation. And uh, he said something to the effect of this. He said, you know, Dan, I, I'm not going to do an impression, but you know, Dan, you applied to work at the school down here, and we took a good few months deliberating 
over your CV and over your interview. We liked you, but we were unsure because we didn't know if a man who has lived in Lancashire his whole life would fit in in Bath. That's genuinely what he said to me, and I thought, that's northernist. It's racist. I wasn't very happy with him, actually. But actually, I am capable of putting on a tie and a suit, but who am I kidding? That's not who I am. He was right, in a sense. I was there for two years, and yes, I got on okay, but I didn't really belong. Now, in Derbyshire, I mean, we're not quite northerly enough, really. You call yourself northerners, but you're not. You're the Midlands. But I feel more at home than I did down in Bath because I don't speak properly and all those things. It's about belonging. You know where you belong. You know where you feel at home. I just want to read those verses from Romans chapter 8. It's just a few verses. Romans 8, 14 through 17. And this is what it says. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Now, this being led by the Spirit, as Paul talks about, um, sounds fantastic, doesn't it? But I think I've just got to give you a few headlines from the book of Romans. We've been in Acts, so we haven't been in Romans, but a few headlines just to understand how do you get to this place of being led by the Spirit? How do you get to this place of being adopted as sons or daughters? Because that sounds fantastic, doesn't it? Being part of God's family. But there's a bit of a process, much like in the UK, I believe the process for adoption is quite complicated. There's lots of forms to fill in. You've got to be vetted. There's lots of process Now, you'll be pleased to know that the process for becoming part of God's family is incredibly simple and incredibly easy. There's not lots of forms that you've got to fill in. It's just straightforward. Romans 8 verse 1 says, There is there there now for, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation means there's peace. So for those that are in Jesus, there is peace. Now, that's a good start, but I don't think that's kind of worked back enough for us. So we're at peace if we're belonging in his family, but how do we get peace? Chapter 7, Paul talks about himself. He describes himself. This is the Apostle Paul, by the way, who would be go down as one of the greatest men in all of history, right? And he describes himself as a wretched man. He says, I'm making so many mistakes in my life. I'm getting so many things wrong. Yet in Jesus, at the end of chapter 7, he says, I have victory over these things. In Jesus, I get a fresh start. I get a new life. And in chapter 5 and 6, Paul's been talking about having an old life, who he used to be, and then who he's become now because he's met Jesus. Now, Paul goes on about how we're a sinful people. And what that means is we're a people who reject God, a people who do our own thing and not do good things. It's not just being a good or a bad person. Now you probably, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a wager here. I think you imagine I'm a good person. Nobody's shaking their head, so that's a good sign. That I'm good. I pay my taxes. I support a cracking football team. You probably think I'm, I'm lovely. Well, maybe not. I don't know. But you, you think I'm good. By the world standards, you might go, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a nice guy. And that's great if by your standards I'm good. But by God's standards, I fall horribly short. 
just as the Apostle Paul does. We fall short of the standard that God expects of us. And so what that means is it's a bit hopeless for us. We're far off. We're neglected. And actually, Paul would say if we're not a Christian today, if we've not met Jesus, then that's still where we are. Still in a place without hope. But the game changer is this. And if you've got your Bible open, you want to flick to it. It's Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. It says, for while we were still weak, when we read weak, I don't want you to think about my puny arms. I want you to think ungodly. That's what he means there. For when we were still ungodly, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare to die. What he's saying there is, look, if there's a good person, you might lay down your life for them. But for someone evil, you wouldn't dream of doing it. You know, you look at what's going on in, uh, let's, just take, let's just take a really radical example. One of the fighters that are fighting for ISIS in Iraq and Syria. You might not consider laying your life down for one of them, would you? But you might lay down your life for me. That's what Paul, that's the point Paul's trying to make here. He's saying, well, a seemingly good person, you might, just might lay down your life. But then he says, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we're the worst of the worst, Jesus dies for us. And because God loves us, that's what Paul says, because he wants those that are far off to belong to him and become a part of God's family. And that's the good news of how ultimately we're at peace with God, that Jesus comes for us as a man, dies upon a cross. We're going to take communion a little bit later on that remembers the cost of what Jesus has gone through for us. And he does it at a time where you and me are the worst of the worst. Don't think ISIS are the worst of the worst. That's us. By God's standards, we all break that code that God has. We all fall short of it. And yet, even in that moment, Jesus dies for us. Even when we're in the lowest of the low, he comes for us because he loves us. Comes because he wants to make us part of his family. And see, when we trust Jesus, it changes everything. We go from this old life to the new life. When we trust Jesus, it's in Jesus that there's no condemnation. And when you look at Acts, as we have been doing, you see the Holy Spirit is given to the believers. And it's not just an intellectual thing. It becomes, he really comes into our heart. It's something that's emotional, spiritual, physical. Romans 8.14, which is the passage we're looking at. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So here's the good news for us. If you trust in Jesus this morning, not only are you saved from eternal death. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's a pretty good start. And we always kind of, I think, focus on that. But better than that, we become sons of God. Better than that, we get brought into his family. I think often in kind of evangelical circles, we kind of, we don't have much balance. We spend a lot of time going, oh, I'm so sinful. Life's so terrible. Everything is so morbid. And we don't spend enough time saying, but I'm now a son of God and it's great. It's fantastic. I've got life. I've got a fresh start. You know, if people see you as a Christian, you're going, life is so terrible. So sinful. They're not going to want a part of it, are they? But if you're like, you know what? Life was terrible, but I've met Jesus. And I tell you what, it's fantastic. I belong to a new family now. And you know what? He wants you in your family. That's infectious, isn't it? That's something that other people are going to go, I want some of that. I want to know this Jesus because that guy seems happy. That guy seems full of joy and life and energy because Jesus is his king. 
we get given the same status as Jesus. That's what happens. We become sons of God. And I don't just mean if you're a bloke here. If you're a woman here, you become a daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But he uses the word sons because in that culture, a son would be the one who had the inheritance, not the daughter. The son would be the one who was the heir to all things. That's what he's saying. You become God's heirs. And we inherit being part of his family and all that's attached to that. As I said, we get the same status as Jesus, who was the Son of God. And if you remember, when he came to the earth, he was baptized. And I can only imagine what it was like being there as he's being baptized and the heavens open, the clouds part, and light shines down. You get this booming voice. That's how I imagine it anyway. It says, this is my Son, whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. What's well, precisely what he says of you and I if we're children of God. He says, oh, John, he's my son. With him, I'm well pleased. Why? Not because John in and of himself is a fantastic person, though he's quite quite nice fella. More because he's got Jesus. Because Jesus is fantastic. Because Jesus is the one who saves us. And there's this great line um, that Chris Kandai, I don't know if you caught it, shared in the video for adoption. He said, we should think less about whether these are the kids that we want and wonder, are we the kind of parents that these kids need? I heard that uh, line for the first time four or five days ago, and I've kind of just been replaying it in my mind every single day. Because I think there's a massive challenge for us there, and we think about what God's done for us. When we think of adoption, we might think, oh yeah, I could get a little kid that's not got any troubles. Just a, just, just get the youngest of the young, and we think, oh, that 11-year-old, I can't be doing with that too much hassle. You know what? I'm really glad that God didn't think like that. Aren't you? He didn't say, well, those are my kids. They're they're those humans that I've created. They've messed up pretty bad. Wait, I'll only have the best of them. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Oh, wait, none of them qualify. I'm so glad God didn't do that. But God said, actually, no, I want them in my family. I want them to be part of something that's bigger than themselves. And so he sacrifices even himself to make it happen. This is what God does. We should think less about whether they're the kids we want and wonder are we the kind of parents that these kids need. God knows we need him as our father. We might not know it sometimes, but God knows that we need him as our father. Verse 15, for you didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You see, when we become the children of God, you know, we go from this kind of morbid place to happy place. There's a change, isn't there? At least there should be a visible uh, manifestation that something has changed in our life. Because we're not slaves anymore, Paul says. We've been set free. If you're enslaved to something and bound by something and you're set free from it, there should be a change, shouldn't there? We shouldn't be the same as we once were. The old you should have gone and it should have been replaced by a new you. The old you was maybe someone that was governed by fear. Fear of God, fear of man, fear of the future. But the new you should be someone that's fearless in the face of what's coming because you have a hope that's beyond the grave. The reality is, I suppose, if we don't have Jesus, then we have plenty to fear. But if we do have him, God is our dad, so we have nothing to fear. By the spirit within us, it says we cry, Abba, Father. You know, that's the exact same term 
that Jesus Christ, Son of God, uses to describe God the Father. Jesus says, Abba, Father. And it says now, if we become children of God, if we put our trust in Jesus, we cry, Abba, Father. We have the same relationship with the Father that Jesus enjoys. Even Jesus, if you remember famously, he says, pray like this. He teaches the disciples how to pray. How does he start that prayer? Our Father. The very first line of how we should pray when we talk to God is to talk to our dad. You probably know this already, but Abba Father means, Abba means daddy. Now you only call someone your daddy if you're intimate with them. It's a belonging term. Being brought into God's family means he's our daddy, just as he's Jesus's dad and father. Now, I don't know in here, you may have poor earthly fathers. So the concept of God as father is difficult for you. But I don't want you to let that experience that you've had ruin it for you. Because God is a father who never lets you down. God is a father who will always be there for you. God is a father who will always love you, always encourage you, always comfort you. And we know that and we can never doubt that because he's given Jesus for us. You see, being in a relationship where God is our daddy brings us assurance that we really are the children of God. You know, just as my daughter knows I am her daddy. Why? Because I spend time with her. Because I love her. Because she knows me. And in that place where she knows who I am, knows my heart for her, she knows that I'm her dad. She has the assurance that she's safe, that she's loved, that she's cared for. But I get things wrong. And it's just like, a, that's just a small kind of mirror of what our relationship with God should be like. Because I think we all have a yearning to belong to something, don't we? None of us want to be on the outside. None of us want to be in Bath for two years, sticking out like a sore thumb. We want to fit in. That's why Grace would buy me stupid clothes. I've got a jumper that looks like a cricket jumper that I refuse to wear. If anybody would like it. She paid like stupid money for that, but I look like a Burke. It's just not me. <laughs> Maybe I'll wear it for a special occasion. But we all have a yearning to belong to something. And this is the good news for us. That actually, ultimately, we're created and designed to belong to God. To belong and be a part of his family. And you know what that means? If I'm a part of God's family and you're a part of God's family too, we're in the same family. We're together, we do community, we do life together. That's why we have home groups. Because we're all part of the same family. You should spend time with your family. And this is what, for all uh, we have the yearning. If you have Jesus as your saviour, God is your dad. I want to ask you a question. If uh, my daughter messes up, if she makes mistakes, which she does regularly, does that change her status as my daughter? If she gets things wrong doesn't, does it? She's still my daughter, though she makes mistakes. Now, there are people that will disown and do silly things, but I mean, that's just evil, actually. So we're talking about the norm here and, and a godly way of, of parenting is actually if, if she does something wrong, she's still my daughter. I should still love her. I should still exercise grace to her because none of us get it right and none of us get it right when it comes to God either, do we? But if we get things wrong, do we suddenly stop being the children of God? No, we don't. We're still God's children, but we just need to be pointed in a better direction. We just need to be pointed back towards Jesus again. Because we have the freedom that our spirit cries out, Abba, Father. 
And we can cry and we can pray and we can be honest with God. I remember when I was about 18 years old and I went down to the beach. Um, I'd had a, a moment with a girl. There wasn't many of them. And uh, I was a, a little bit over-emotional. And I went down to the beach. And it was raining and it was dark. And I just screamed at God. And I just cried my heart out. And I fell on the I got sand everywhere. And it was a bit nasty. But the point is, I just cried out to my God. God, where are you? God, I need you. God, I need your help. And you know, in that moment, I had this. I was just overcome by actually his presence. Overcome by having the comfort of knowing, despite whatever is going on in my life, Whatever ups and downs, whatever trials I may face, God is my father. God is still there for me. God is still loving me, even in those moments. So you're still, even when we mess up, even if we've messed up today, we can still come back to our father. He's not going to disown us. He welcomes us home, just as he welcomes home the prodigal son in that famous parable. He's delighted that his son comes home. We shouldn't live in fear but we should be fearless of coming before God. Just to close with verse 17, it says, And if we're children, which you are if you trust in Jesus, we're then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided, there's a bit of a caveat here, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. That's one of those, oh, it was going so well. It sounded great to be children of God. And now you've just mentioned the word suffering. (laughs) What are you doing? If we're children of God, then we have an inheritance that is everlasting life with him. One of my favorite refrains, I've said this before through scripture, is God says, I will be their God and they will be my people. And you see it at the start of the Bible, you see it at the end of the Bible. I'm going to be their God. They're going to be my people. It's going to be great. We're going to be together. We're going to be family. We're going to belong with him forever. But that's all to come. And that should give you a reason for hope, a reason to be excited, a reason to be joyful, a reason not to be morbid because of what's to come. But the path to glory, contrary to what some people will teach, the path to glory is not prosperity is not necessarily having health, wealth, and all that's attached to it, but is being willing to suffer for Jesus. That's the path to glory. To be counted as one of his people means we might count the cost, means we might be persecuted, means some people aren't going to like it, some people are going to put you down for your faith, some people are going to challenge you for your faith. But that's what it means to take a stand Because if we live holy, fearless, prayerful, assured lives because God's our Father, it means in some way we're going to fall out with the world. Because they're governed by fear. They don't have assurance. They don't have God as their Father. We're belonging to something else. Heaven is our home. And when heaven is our home and we belong to God as our father, it's incompatible with belonging here on earth. So there's a conflict there, isn't there? Which means we have to be willing to suffer. We have to be willing to say, no, you know what? I'm on Jesus' team. I'm with him. I count God as my father. We dance to a different song in a sense. And it means being caught up in the greatest story of all. It means being saying, yes, God is the one who's rescued me. And I think it means 
I genuinely mean this. I think it means going from people who are lost and alone to people who belong, to people who are finally home. And the path to that homecoming is through the cross. The path to that homecoming is transferring from the old life to the new life. And it's through faith in Christ and his death and his resurrection. The cross is both the place of suffering and loss on the Friday as Jesus dies and the darkness takes over. But it's also the place of hope. The place where uh, hope springs from death to life because he's raised from the dead. Which means we've got to be willing to say, yeah, I'm going to die to the things of this world. They're not going to rule me. I'm not going to belong to them. They're not going to be the most important thing to me. And my hope and my joy is going to be found in Jesus because just as he raised a new life, I'm given a new life too. So I can say there's no condemnation for me because I'm in Jesus. I can say I belong and I become a part of his family. Isn't that good news? And that's why we do church as well. Because for all those who belong, for all those who are transferring, have transferred from death to life, we belong in the same family. We're together. Which means rubbing shoulders with one another. It means spending time with each other. You become just as much my family as my actual, in fact, more of my family than those that are related to me. Because God is our Father. I have to spend eternity with you lot. You have to spend eternity with me and I will grow my beard very long. Oh, we'll leave that behind. We won't be bothered about football anymore. But the point is we belong together as his people. And don't you want more people to join the family? Don't you want maybe your uh, blood relatives to join the family? Don't you want those who are playing football right now out there to join the family? People that you're working with to join the family because God is our true father. And just as there's loads of children in the UK that are waiting to be adopted, the harvest is plentiful. There's loads of people in the town of Chesterfield that are almost just waiting for someone to say, you know what, God is your father and Jesus has made a way. They're waiting. They're just waiting for good news, waiting for something hopeful because they're caught here. They're caught belonging to the world, which offers no hope for the future, whereas there's so much hope to be had in Jesus. Let me just pray, and then uh, the musicians are going to come out. We're going to sing a song. We're going to reflect on what we've just heard about adoption, and then we're going to share communion together. And I'll just explain how we're going to do that um, after we've sung. So let me just pray. Father, we just thank you that we're adopted into your family. We thank you that we cry, our heart cries as the Spirit of God comes into us, Abba, Father. That it cries, Daddy, that once we were far off, but suddenly we're home. And it changes everything when we know that we belong to God. Lord, we pray that if there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know where they belong, God, we just invite you to come and to speak life. That this morning there will be people who put their trust in Jesus. And realize that they belong to God. That we can become a part of his family by trusting in what he's done for us. That while we were still sinners, God showed his love for us. And that Christ Jesus died for us. And gives us hope. Gives us optimistic uh, 
something to live for. It gives us joy. So Lord, we just invite you to come by your spirit. Have your way amongst us. In Jesus' name.